Today's Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 107, verses 1 to 9, 42 and 43. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to an inhabited town, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and the hungry he fills with good things. The upright, the upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness stops its mouth. Let those who are wise give heed to these things and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Well, greetings, members and friends of IPC. It's uh, great to be with you again, and this time for a whole month, since it's uh, IPC's very commendable uh, 60th anniversary. And since you are in the midst of a pastoral transition, I thought I would preach a sermon series this month on IPC's past, present, and future. Those will be uh, three sermons, uh, this Sunday, next Sunday, and the following Sunday. And then on the last Sunday of the month, I thought I would preach a sermon uh, that is titled, A Compass for Your Journey. I should also mention that... um, I will be having uh, office days and hours uh, during this month here at IPC. However, this next week is an exception because of other responsibilities that I have to fulfill. But uh, in any case, I will be having posted my office days and hours in case any of you would like to come for a visit uh, or for some conversation Uh, during that time, I would enjoy it very much. Our New Testament reading this morning is from 1 John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world 
so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. This is the word of the Lord. From about 1840 until 1869, the Oregon Trail was heavily used one-way dirt road across North America. Just as centuries ago, Turkic peoples migrated from east to west across Uh, Central Asia, various immigrants to America migrated east to west to settle down uh, in and around Oregon and to farm or mine the land and to raise their families. Everyone who traveled the Oregon Trail carried a dream, but very few of them realized at the outset just how difficult that journey could and often would proved to be. Historical records tell us of one party of pioneers that traveled the Oregon Trail that suffered from delay after delay. One wagon after another broke down, causing the whole group of travelers to wait repeatedly for repairs to be done. And with every repair, impatience intensified. To make matters worse, it was an extremely hot summer. Drinking water became very scarce, and the grass for their precious animals was often nowhere to be found. Fretfulness eventually gave way to fury, and fury eventually gave way to futility. Well, one day when circumstances were at their worst, the leaders of the party promised the travelers that that evening, they would have a meeting and anyone and everyone could voice their complaints. They would then decide together what changes would need to take place before continuing their journey. And as darkness fell, the leaders built a fire and quietly, gloomily, and resentfully, the travelers gathered around and sat down. Everyone wondered Who would be the first complainer to speak out? I can imagine that IPC has had a few such grievance meetings in its 60-year history. All churches do. (laughs) Perhaps you've even had one recently in conjunction with the current pastoral transition. Such meetings are never easy, but... They are, uh, too, an an inevitable part of of church life. This past week, I read through the 50th anniversary uh, IPC booklet, including all the letters that former pastors had written. And of course, all of those letters were largely upbeat and positive, as you would expect of letters 
for such a, an event as, as that. Oh, the earliest letter did speak of, of having to use waterlogged hymnals, I noticed, and having a lack of hymnals. Also of having to use a classroom for a sanctuary and a table for a pulpit and a piano in place of an organ. I found myself wondering <laughs> uh, about the problems that my wife and I faced in starting the St. Paul Union Church in Turkey. And I, I found myself only wishing that our problems had been as, as pleasant as, uh, as IPC's early problems were. Uh, problems of mere inconvenience. But insightful readers know, they know that each of those letters also represents unwritten recollections of physical challenge, emotional pain, congregational complaints, and spiritual turmoil. Being a pastor of such a diverse and excellence-oriented congregation such as IPC is no small challenge. There have been times, I'm sure, when IPC pastors feared that the wagon wheels were going to come off (laughs) from IPC. And they, as well as members, seriously questioned even the Holy Spirit's ability to to deliver this great church through stressful and factious situations. But God has. Over the uh, course of six decades, God always has delivered this church through crisis after crisis. I found it interesting that one of your former pastors quoted an old Methodist hymn, one that perhaps subtly revealed some of his own pastoral difficulties. This hymn sung initially by annually gathering Methodist itinerant preachers, goes like this. And are we yet alive and see each other's face? Glory and thanks to Jesus give for his almighty grace. What troubles we have seen, what mighty conflicts past, fightings without and fears within since we assembled last. Come to think of it, we used to sing this hymn at our annual Association of International Congregations of Europe and the Middle East Conference. Just kidding. Yet, out of all, the Lord has brought us by his love, and still he doth help, give his help afford, and hides our life above. Well, what each of the former IPC pastors, as well as you long loyal members, would testify to is what has been called the invisible hand of God, working on our behalf behind behind the scenes. And all acts of God's salvation, as I shall explain, explain, flow from his steadfast love. They all flow from his steadfast love. The same is true in your life, friends. 
I'd imagine that all of you could come up with stories that testify to what you believe is the sovereign power of God at work in your life. And as we share and reflect upon such stories, it's important to understand and remember that it's not due to our own goodness or our own worthiness that God acts on our behalf. Rather, God's saving acts flow always and only from his steadfast love. And we are called to give thanks. Save us, Lord our God, says Psalm 106, verse 47, right at the end of that psalm. Gather us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. That is how book four of the Psalter ends, with a call to the Lord to gather the nations from among the peoples. And then with, verse, uh, with Psalm 107, the fifth and final book of the Psalter begins, and it elaborates upon that verse that I just read from Psalm 106, verse 47. In Psalm 107, the worshipers are called to give thanks because they have been gathered from the nations, as you have been gathered from the nations. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. That verse of scripture, friends, is worthy of not only application, but also memorization. And that verse introduces not just the theme of Psalm 107, but the big theme of Book 5 of the Psalter. And that theme is wrapped up in one remarkably rich Hebrew word, the word chesed. There are just under 9,000 ancient Hebrew words used in the Old Testament. And in terms of importance, chesed ranks in the top three for sure. The meaning of the word is so rich that it's difficult to translate. For example, in my uh, New International Version translation, in Psalm 100, verse 1, chesed is simply translated as love. But in verses 8, 15, 21, and 31 of this psalm, where chesed shows up again and again, it's translated as unfailing love. And then in verse 43, we have still another translation of chesed, loving deeds. Chesed is the active, unfailing, covenantal love of God. It is the, the spring of his compassion and the source of his salvation. You and I are here today because of God's chesed. In the same sense that uh, the author of 1 John declared that, that God is love. That's not to say that God equals love. It, it's not a mathematical equation. However, chesed reveals the core of God's character. He is a God who responds to the needs of his people, and the reach of his redemption is incomprehensible. Indeed, no menace or mess that his people are in is too difficult 
for him to manage and to make right. Therefore, the psalmist says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the nations, from east and west, from north and south. That word redeemed is generally used in the Old Testament with regard to the exodus from Egypt or with regard to the return from the Babylonian captivity. In Isaiah, the word is even turned into a name or or title for God, the Redeemer of Israel. But here, the word is even turned into, uh, uniquely used as as a passive participle. The redeemed of the Lord, or, or better yet, those redeemed by the Lord. For it was his loving action that delivered them from the foe and gathered them from the lands, from east and west, and from north and south. Metaphor is most likely used um, with regard to those terms north and south. Zaphon is north in Hebrew, but it could also stand for the menacing nations to the north of Israel, namely Aram and Assyria and even Babylon to uh, further east. And the Hebrew word yam means south, yes, but it can also refer to the sea, which represents chaos and danger often in Scripture. Well, even from these metaphorical applications of Zaphon and yam, uh, God was able to deliver his people. In the remainder of this psalm, the author describes four different situations really four different kinds of situations in which the Lord works deliverance for his people who cry out to him. In verses 4 through 7, we read about just one of these types of situations. The foes in these verses that these wanderers, not travelers, by the way, travelers have a destination, a purpose in mind, but these are wanderers. The foes that they face are hunger and thirst, The wanderers have lost their road. They don't even have a path to follow. They are helplessly lost in the desert, stuck in desperation. And so they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. This phrase, too, by the way, is used again and again in this psalm. And he delivers them from their distress. The cries of God's people stir the love in God's heart, and he acts on their behalf. At first glance, you, a 21st century reader of this psalm, may think to yourself, well, what does this ancient psalm have to say to me? I'm no wanderer. I have a city in which I can always live, or a place to which I can go, Uh, How can I relate to these wanderers? Well, however, the fact is that many Christians, our brothers and sisters, and and God-fearing migrants in our world today could relate very well to the description given in verses 4 through 7. And in the very least, in the very least, every single one of us can 
indeed relate to the reality of our lives ebbing away in verse 5. But God delivers us still. And he is no less committed to his covenantal love for human beings than he was when his covenant first went into effect. God is faithful still. And through our Savior Jesus Christ, he can and will deliver us even after our lives have succumbed to death. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for humankind. We all have wonderful deeds to proclaim. Amen? And here is the conclusion to it all. In the genre of wisdom literature, verses 42 and 43, the upright see God's loving deeds and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the chesed of the Lord. It should be noted that the Hebrew word for heed doesn't just mean pay attention to as it does in English, but rather it takes attention one step further so that these things are to be actively called to mind and treasured. Let us not forget, friends, or ever cease to to value and voice the wonderful deeds that God has done for us and for this beloved body of believers, the incredible Protestant Church of Zurich. There, around a blazing campfire, those travelers of the Oregon Trail sat in embittered silence, wondering which of the many grumblers was about to speak out first. Without hesitation, one man stood up, and he gained the interest of everyone. After a pause, he began to speak, but he didn't say what others expected to hear. Instead, he said this. Before we air our complaints, don't you think we should at least first thank God that he's brought us this far with no loss of life? with no serious trouble from the Indians, and with enough strength left to continue our journey? The other travelers agreed. The man then led them all in a simple prayer of thanks. And when he'd said amen, he sat down. After that prayer, 
All that could be heard were the crackles of the fire and the cries of a distant pack of wolves. There was otherwise stone silence around that fire because no one had any grievances that they felt were important enough to voice. Thankfulness does that to us, friends. Thankfulness enables us to recognize and appreciate the tender, loving mercies of God. God's saving acts constantly flow from his steadfast love. Amen.